Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, today is Monday. Pretty busy weekend in the news, Doug. What do you know? I Well, I know that... Uh, I have a question. Is it Tropical Depression Henry or Honoré? <laughs> because I heard that earlier today. I'm being funny. It's just I, when it was down here, it was called Henry. Then it got up north, and it was Tropical Depression Honoré. Oh. I was like, okay, I just thought that was funny. Anyway, hey, I'm glad you could join us uh, today, August 23rd. And... Uh, you know, a lot going on in our world, uh, uh, not the least of which is going on over in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody has commented on what a debacle it is and has been. And I read a, a, an article earlier today that was uh, disturbing because, and in fact, I think you shared it too with me. Uh, there was a, a former CIA guy out of D.C. who's pretty well known in the uh, intelligence circles up there is a credible guy he's not a like a conspiracy theorist guy he's he's just credible he's been on several news channels and uh he had commented about a rumor that the reason it was so swift and it happened the way it did in afghanistan was they knew that there would be a collapse and they wanted it to collapse now rather than a year from now during the election cycle. Oh. Now, that's not unsurprising if that's true, because a lot of things have been done in the election cycle, but that's terrible if that's true. Uh, he put it out there. Like I said, he's been fairly credible in the past, but there's all kinds of rumors going around D.C. right now about the reason it happened. But I know this. It seems like everybody is talking about how bad it is Mm -hmm. it's bad optically it's bad morally it's bad on every account and now i think there's been actual firefights between american forces and some people i don't know if it's the taliban or if it's people just factions within the taliban but um it's it's just a bad situation for americans who were over there for uh, people who helped Americans during the last 19 years who were over there. Um, and there's a lot of people whose lives are going to be lost because it was not better planned, the evacuation of these people. And we need to pray. Uh, I know, I think I shared this last week, that they're actually engaging uh, nonprofits to go help mm. with stuff over there. And they're telling uh, they're telling nationals who were not, uh, helpers to the U.S. or who were not, you know, helping the U.S. forces over there, just run to the border and get over the border, like the southern border over there, get out of the country. Uh, don't try to go to the airport. But they've told even Americans now don't go to the airport. Yeah. Uh, they've been warned. Uh, shelter in place like somebody's going to come get you, I, I guess. But I don't think that's going to happen. Right well, now. Uh, 
The British might. Uh, I saw that one American journalist was saved by British uh, special forces, I think it was. Well, you know, we as a country, uh, Biden is not letting the military get out and go get people. Um, so our allies are doing work in uh, Kabul and stuff like that. But uh, we're confining ourselves to the airport. And the last I saw was that uh, uh, the Taliban said if we stay past our four, or, uh, past August 31st that there will be grave consequences. And there's reports that... Uh, Biden is very intent on getting all military personnel out before that date rather than have to effectively go back to war with uh, uh, the Taliban. Well, uh, I I think that if you look at what people said about President Biden before he ever took office, as they said, he has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the past 40 years. And it's no surprise what we see, but it's just sad for the believers that are there. It's sad for the people that were helping. And when you get countries like France and uh, England who are basically calling us out Mm -hmm. for, for doing what we did, that's a bad sign. Yeah, and you know, there's another part of this story I think that hasn't been talked about too much, is, and that's Pakistan's involvement in uh, helping the Taliban and in this push that they're getting uh, right now. And, and I mean, obviously, China's involved uh, as well in helping in Iran, but uh, from what I hear, Pakistan, they're now all government officials are being filled with people who are pro Pakistan. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that, that throughout the whole 20 years, we never really talked about Pakistan's involvement. We never addressed that. We never did anything to stop them from getting giving aid to the Taliban. And now they're just uh, running with what they've been doing. And we continue to just kind of let it happen. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough it's a bad situation. And and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to lead to a lot of suffering and loss of life and and suffering, particularly for people who bought into what we were telling them as a country and about what uh, freedom and stuff look like. And they're going to be the ones that are hurting the most. Well, you know, I, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago when I was going through um, the basic school in the Marine Corps back in the early eighties, they were showing us uh, videos of the Russians Mm. in Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and how they were struggling uh, over there. And these, you know, we were supplying the Taliban yep. at that time against the Russians. We were we were supplying a bunch of people, right? Well, we Northern were, Alliance well, was, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, we were supply. Well, we were supplying people in Afghanistan mm-hmm. to fight against the Russians. And one of the instructors said, "We're going to be having those weapons used on us." You watch, mm. and sure enough, it turned out to be true. But the sad part is, is Russia left there defeated. Russia never conquered them. And now the United States has gone in there, and yes, we held a presence there. But in, I heard one guy say it last night. He said it was a British, uh, it was a British Army officer. I think he was being interviewed, and he said, you know, it took them 19 years, but they humiliated the United States, and they did. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the picture. They actually posed yeah. like Iwo Jima mm-hmm. with our equipment, with our yeah. equipment, holding up, hoisting their flag. And, you know, um, in the briefing, which is Al Mohler's article, he he wrote about um, how uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about the Islamic 
uh, culture is uncon- unconquerable in in the, mm. the, their eyes. They 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 are not going to yield. They're going to keep fighting, and they never give up. They've stayed there, and yeah. and it's really a clash of ideas between Judeo Christian Western civilization. Although I would argue that we're really not that anymore, at least here. Yeah, uh, and uh, Islam. And Islam is making sweeping geographical uh, victories across the world. Yeah, and I think you know it's important to Islam. The people on the Islamic side they definitely view it that way mm-hmm. uh, that it's a, a clash between cultures and stuff. And, and when you look at Afghanistan, the only way you know that we would have been able to be successful in any way is if we had been willing to stay there for you know seventy five, a hundred years. Um, and that was something that was not in the calculus when people first went in, as far as if you want a nation build, I'm, I'm saying not if you want to beat them militarily. Um, but you have to create a culture in which, uh, doing stuff to little boys is, is potent, <laughs> is bad to do, you yeah. know, and, and in Afghanistan, that's, that's okay. In Islam, that's okay. And so, yeah, you have to be able and willing to fight that, uh, ideological battle and create a new culture there that's founded on Judeo-Christian values. But the fact of the matter is what we were doing in part, we were funneling money to the universities over there to teach gender studies. So we have lost complete uh, faith in what what created the West, and we're actively working against it just from a different different means. And so, it's a, with a, a mind like that, a two sided mind, there's no way to win a fight in that in that place, or or to win an ideological battle when we don't believe it ourselves. Well, we 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 lost our moral conviction, mm-hmm. and and part of the problem is. The progressives and the, the what I would call the liberal side of the American political machine, they they view the Taliban and Al Qaeda and um, Hamas and those groups as extremist, yeah, mm. instead of the norm, yeah, yeah. And I I, I think uh, their commitment, the commitment of most Muslims, is what their commitment is. Now they may not be taking up arms. But the people who really believe Islam, that that is their belief. The Taliban and ISIS are uh, devout as far as they they want to live out their faith as completely as possible, and that's something that is uncomfortable for us to talk about. But that is definitely the case that that, that they are the ones that are the most sincere in their faith. And to say, oh, they're extremists, I think misses the point because there's a, plenty of people who you know, maybe won't be that extreme in Islamic countries, but the type of support that they have for things that we would consider extreme is, uh, is pretty high. Well, I just think what, what if the church was as committed to our ideology, uh, that Christ prescribed for us that he has in his word. You sent me a thing. I think you sent me a thing over the weekend of a quote priest or pastor saying that the great commission yeah. is racist yeah 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 which to every tribe and every tongue yep and this person said they're never going to say that again because it goes against you know their beliefs <laughs> yeah basically they were saying that it is the start of white supremacy was from that and that that wasn't something that jesus really said and that that came from somewhere else which on, on no evidence whatsoever but that just shows kind of where we are you know as as the west but then as the church too that we have people who call themselves pastors saying things like that but all right we are up against the break we will be back with more after the break you're listening to swat radio stay tuned 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. David Crowder with Red Letters. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we took the first segment. We're talking a little bit about what is going on over in Afghanistan as well as just kind of what's going on around the country. We are going to be talking about uh, wokeness and the gospel. We're talking about uh, CRT, critical race theory, social justice movement, and things like that and how it's impacting and affecting the church. We are looking at two books. Uh, We're doing this throughout the month. I should add, uh, two books we're looking at is Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham and Christianity and Wokeness by Owen Strand, two great books uh, that we highly recommend that you get your hands on and and read and take a look at because this is going to be an issue that's going to be uh, uh, more important, coming becoming more and more uh, mundane in the church, so we should have an idea of what's going on with that. Well, and uh, we've been talking about uh, the books Christianity and Wokeness by Owen Strand and Bodie Bauckham's Fault Lines. Bodie was our guest last week. Great interview with Bodie. Uh, we also have had Owen on before. You mm-hmm. can uh, go into the SWATradio.com and search both their names and listen to those podcasts, as well as guys like Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. We've had them on three times, and they address these issues and have. And Tom uh, Askell. Uh, Tom Askell as well. Uh, but this week, we we are looking particularly at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 that uh, Vody mentioned, and I thought it would be good this week for us to kind of work through that as we look at our response, because we, we've been, you know, they talk about responses in there, and I, I thought Vody had some really good practical things to say. But this week, we wanted to go to God's Word, specifically as it relates to our view of each other. And let's just uh, address this issue from a viewpoint or an ideology that we should have as it relates to people from different ethnic backgrounds. How do we view them as Christians? It's really pretty black and white in Scripture. I mean, it's pretty clear. There's no 
gray area there as the way he addresses it in Ephesians 11. I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of the chapter. And then as well as it's also addressed, I think, in Galatians 3. But we're going to focus primarily on Ephesians this week. And, you know, when we think about our culture particularly, um, we think about, you know, uh, in America, you hear people talk about how racist it is, systemic racism, and the hatred that people have for different groups. And I have seen elements or, or instances, but by and large, I don't see the large-scale hating people just because they're people. I'm not saying that there's not pockets and it doesn't exist, but let's say it did exist. You think it does in our country. Even so, it pales in comparison to what a Jew felt towards a Gentile. And I want to explore that a little bit today because I think perspective is really important. Again, it doesn't minimize when people have been mistreated because of their ethnic background. But if you look at history, and I know you're a history guy, I I love history. If you go back and you look um, and uh, look at uh, the Jews specifically and the Gentiles, the Jews believed that the Gentiles were actually created to burn the fires of hell. Oh, wow. That's what they believed. Yeah. uh, They, uh, they, I mean, and um, if you look back in even Rome, Rome had, if you weren't Roman, you Mm. were looked down upon. There Mm. was, there was hatred for every ethnic group. If you weren't from Rome. Now, they would conscript you, but they always looked down on you. But the Jews really, um, that what they felt about the Gentiles far surpassed any other ethnic kind of hatred in history. Uh, in their view, the, the Gentiles were seen as dogs. In fact, Jesus himself yeah. said, should I give the bread to the dogs? You know, and and I think one very progressively liberal pastor said that was a racist statement by Jesus, um, and accused Jesus of being racist and then repenting of it, which that's Jesus yeah. didn't sin. Yeah, he was sinless. He never did anything to hurt anybody or harm anybody. He was God, and um, so, but if you look at their view and. Um, the the Jews, they were they were arch enemies of the Gentiles. So much so that if a Gentile walked by them on the road, they would go to the other side of the road. Um, and so when you look at this text in Ephesians chapter two, Paul is addressing this, and as from a spiritual perspective. Now you got to remember when Paul wrote uh, Philippians. Um, you know, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, when he wrote these letters, uh, he, he a lot of times would take the first few chapters and address the, the belief, and the, the, the last part of the book would address the actions, because belief always affects our actions, what you believe. If you believe that somebody from a different ethnic background is different from you and lower than you, 
then you're going to act that way. It's going to impact in your action. You can say you don't believe it, but what you really believe is going to be played out in your actions. And so when you see um, this passage, Paul is dealing with an extreme alienation. Why? Because most of the believers in the church at Ephesus were Gentile. And so there was they, they were having to deal with this, this rift ethnically between Gentiles because a Gentile was any non-Jew. It wasn't just from one particular ethnic background. It was anybody who wasn't Jewish. And so the answer wasn't from a, even a cultural perspective. You know, like, like if you look at cultures, would you say there's different cultures between, say, somebody who is... Um, uh, would you, would you say there's a black culture in America? Uh, I would say it's a subculture. Yeah. Now, a subculture, mm-hmm. right. Um, based upon, um, not somebody just being black, but somebody identifying with maybe an African culture. Well, yeah, they call it, uh, ur- you know, urban, urban, like urban culture. Yeah. Okay. Th- that, that, uh, is, I guess been kind of used synonymously with black culture quote-unquote black culture but yeah yeah so if you go into a cuban church and by the way it's not a cuban church it's a church that is predominantly cuban but if you go into that they are going to worship differently than a church in say i don't know topeka kansas probably (laughs) or or at least a church in topeka kansas 50 years ago right Or a um, church in Topeka, Kansas that isn't Cuban, because yeah, there might be a yeah, Cuban yeah, church. Well, in well, now there might be <laughs> yeah. a church that's Cuban there. But but the point is, there there's cultural differences mm-hmm. between different ethnic groups. Now, the reason for the alienation between the Jews and the Gentiles, though, was not just social or cultural, but it was spiritual, because all Gentiles were seen as pagan. They worshipped idols which idols are not gods at all. They're, they can't move. They can't change anything. They're idols. They are. It, it, and so when you look at Ephesians, um, even though the first part of uh, Ephesians 2 shows that Jews and Gentiles were both alienated from God, there was a greater difference for the Gentiles. Why? Because God chose the Jewish people to be his vehicle to bless the rest of the world. And the Gentiles were to be the recipients of that. Well, the thing that happened when Christ came is because the Jewish people rejected Messiah when he came as a, as a nation, he said, okay, then the church will be my messenger. And so it enfolded, and that was a mystery, it enfolded the Gentiles into it. And so what he says in Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of the chapter is you're all one now because of Jesus. When Jesus came, he made you a Jew and this guy over here, a Gentile, one. You are no longer separated. And so I'm going to have you read the text. We're going to read it every day, but I'm going to have you read it and read 11 through the end of the chapter Um, And then we're going to come back and we're going to kind of look at each part of this and talk about this. Why is it important? Because for you and me, when we have a world telling us that we are to look on people of different social backgrounds or different economic backgrounds or different ethnic backgrounds 
as they hate us, as believers, that's not true. And as believers, we have an, a commandment to love them and to look at them as one because he says we are one. And this is what you're going to read. So go ahead and read it, Taylor. All right. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the circumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul's telling them, you are one, you were one, and when we come back from the break, we're going to look at this and go start back in, in verse 11 to what he says. Remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision because that was the mark of God's people, and they weren't circumcised. They were not considered God. So we're going to look at kind of how uh, they were outside. They were different. And what Christ says now in Christ, they're the same. Okay, so when we come back, we'll talk about that. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, B-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to take this time to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and all of you local listeners listening here in Jacksonville at 91.7, in St. Augustine at 91.9, and in Folkston, Georgia at 91.3. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. David Crowder back at you again with all my hope. If you are just joining us, we are looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through the end of the chapter, Chapter, excuse me, which is uh, verse 22. We're looking that, at that, and we're uh, talking about how we should be responding as Christians to those who are different uh, than us, uh, and that we in the body of Christ are one flesh. And 
particularly we're looking at this in uh, conjuncture with our look at critical race theory in uh, the church as well as uh, the social justice movement and things like that. Uh, but today and this week we are going to be in Ephesians so that is where we're at. Yeah, we're in Ephesians uh, 2, uh, verses 11 through uh, the end of the chapter, which is verse 22. And so as we're looking at that, Paul is exhorting the Ephesians to remember. He says, therefore, and what is therefore? He says, listen, you were dead. If you remember 2, 8, and 9, everybody knows that, right? Uh, that's one of the first verses you learn as a young believer. People teach you for by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. That's one of the first Bible verses after John three 16, you're taught to remember that it's by God's grace, which means you claim nothing. There's nothing you do. You just respond to him. But he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Then the very next verse, he says, therefore, because of that, remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. And then he, he kind of describes them as, you know, you were called uncircumcised. And he, he goes back to verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, that's just verses 11 and 12. And in that, you see that, you know, uh, John, or not John, uh, um, Warren Wiersbe says that the, the one word that best describes Gentiles in that text is without it says they were without god why if you remember the ephesians were worshiped diana you remember um and um they didn't know anything about jesus until the gospel came over there to them they worshiped an idol that could do nothing and and so they were without christ it says he says they were without citizenship they weren't part of god's nation they listen it all these people want to come to America, right? Why? Because they want to have citizenship in one of the greatest countries of all time. True? Yeah. They want the benefits of yeah. the citizenship. So yeah. imagine having citizenship in the family of God, in his nation, being part of God's chosen nation. I mean, that they didn't have that, but they do now. And remember he said in Ephesians 2, you didn't do this, I did this for you. So he's reminding them, because of this, you need to understand this principle of oneness that I'm calling you to. So they were without citizenship. They were without covenant. Uh, or they, they were without hope. I mean, they were hopeless. They didn't have any hope. I mean, if you've ever lived or been in a country that was full of idol worship, I've been to India many times. The whole country worships idols. There's 300 million gods in there. None of them can do anything for you. And there's a hopelessness there. Uh, they were without God. And he's saying that because this is where you were, but now because of God, you have been brought into the family of God. Now uh, you're no longer 
without citizenship, your fellow citizens with God's chosen people who have, because the chosen are not chosen simply because they're Jewish. He says not all who claim to be Israel are Israel, right? It's the ones who are in Christ. That's the difference. And now in Christ we have hope. In Christ we have a relationship with God. And um, and so Paul's saying because of that, remember, this is where you've come from. And in verse 13 he says, but now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We can argue about skin color all day long, but a guy told me one time, the blood of Jesus is what color? Red. And that's the only color we need to worry about, that his blood covers our sin. His red blood covers our dark sin and makes us as pure as snow. And, um, you know, if you... If you think about knowing God, knowing what God's done and rejecting that, that's foolish. And if you go back through the Old Testament, you see over and over and over examples, whether it's Saul being told by Samuel, hey, go and wait till I get there and I'll do the sacrifice. And he goes, nah, man, people are starting to leave. Uh, I need to go ahead and sacrifice or I'm not going to have enough men here to fight. And he disobeyed. I heard a devotion uh, not long ago uh, from uh, from Ray Vanderlaan. It's a great, great analogy. And he said there was this rabbi who came down every day. And the rabbi was told, he heard this voice, and it was a voice of God that said, Hey, uh, I, I, I see that you're getting up every morning and going to read the scriptures, and that's great. But you see that big rock, and the rock was as big as this house. I want you to go push that. He's going, okay, God told me to do it. I'll do it. So he pushed it every day. He'd get up. Before he'd go in and read the scriptures, he would go push and push and push. He never moved it, not once. Well, After a week or so, another voice came and says, you're not moving that rock. That's a waste of time. It's, it's, you're not doing anything to move it. And you're just wasting your time. So the rabbi began walking another way to walk where he didn't have to walk by the rock to see what God had told him to do. He just put it off in the background. And then he came out from reading the scriptures, and he heard God's voice say to him, Hello, my son, why, why did you stop pushing the rock? And he said, Well, because I, I wasn't moving it. I, I was pushing, pushing, and I wasn't moving it at all. And the rabbi said, well, um, you know, I couldn't do anything, and so I just stopped. Couldn't move it. And God said, well, I didn't ask you to move it. Hmm. I just told you to push it. And he said, my son, as you've been pushing it, notice the strength that has been made in your legs so that you can walk to Israel, to Jerusalem three times to be able to go to the feast. And and notice the strength in your arms from the pushing that allows you to go and serve widows and orphans by drawing water up from them from the well. I mean, and so the whole purpose of that parable or story 
was that sometimes God is going to have us go through times where we're called to be obedient and we think we're supposed to change something and he's not calling us to change something. He's just calling us to be obedient to him. And King Saul was told to go do something and he didn't do it. He thought he had to affect an outcome. That's why I shared that devotion from Ray because it's applicable to what happened with King Saul. Saul was told to go wait until Samuel got there. He was not called to do the sacrifice, but what ended up happening with Saul was he was also told to kill every Amalekite, and he didn't. He spared King Agag, and I was thinking about that this morning. It's in 1 Samuel 15 if you want to read it. But I wonder if Saul didn't kill him because he was the king and Saul was the king. And maybe Saul thought that one day he might be in a position that somebody might have him. So if he spared Agag, he might get spared. I don't know. It doesn't say that, but I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder if that's why he spared him because he was told to wipe out everybody. And he wiped out all the other women and children and everything, but he allowed the evil King Agag who had done all the harm in that land to live. And Samuel hacked him up. Samuel came in and did what God wanted to be done. And that wasn't the only thing where he was disobedient. But again, he was told to do something and he didn't in this text. What is Paul saying? He says, listen, you are one, you are one family. And for any person who is white to look down on somebody of color because they're from a different ethnic group or for any person who's black to look down on somebody who's of a different ethnic group for anybody who's brown to look down on anybody if they're believers is sin plain and simple there's no there's no justifying that in any way shape or form based upon what paul says to the Ephesians. We are one in Christ. We are fellow citizens and we are one. You don't look down on people because of who they are. What you do is you're, you can make uh, judgments about actions that people do, but nobody is evil simply because they come from a different ethnic background than you. And Paul addresses that i think pretty clearly both here he does in galatians as well but we're just starting off with that today any thoughts related to that or questions um well i yeah you know it's it's funny because uh this is something that's so simple and so basic and i think that uh for most believers it's well yeah that's of course and uh so why people feel they need to add on to scripture with other things and why we don't see that as being a problem is, is a little bit baffling because clearly uh, the scriptures are sufficient for answering the question of what to do about uh, what uh, partiality of, about uh, based on race. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it is something that, you know, as we're talking about CRT and stuff like that and thinking about it through that lens, it's, it, it is baffling as to why there's the need to add that instead of just sticking to the scriptures and and uh, then adding, you know, the social welfare uh, component to it as well. You know what I mean? Because the Bible is very clear. There's no need for anything else. No, no, no need for anything else. 
All right, we are up against our final break. We will be back with more in a second. If you would like to call in, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. We'll be sure to take your call just as soon as we are back. Stay tuned. You're listening to SWAT Radio. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong. At the end of the line, will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? That is Nobody by Casting Crowns. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, this month we have been looking at uh, CRT, in uh, which stands for Critical Race Theory. We looked also at the social justice movement and uh, what's commonly called as wokeness and how it is impacting and affecting the church. We have been looking at two books in particular this month, which is uh, Christianity and Wokeness by Owen Strand and also Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham. This week we are looking at uh, Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, which is the end of the chapter. Uh, also looking at it uh, as far as uh, what the Bible says about how we should uh, live towards one another as Christians. So that is where we at. If you would like to join the discussion or you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Uh, Taylor, before we left, you know, you were talking about um, uh, basically inequity. Uh, You know, you made a statement about inequity. And, you know, God determines uh, where we live, when we live, and how we live. If we're we're his children, we believe that. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't release us from uh, responsibility to be hardworking, but we don't work to make money. We work to glorify God. He provides the money to us. I think sometimes we lose perspective. We think if we work harder, he'll bring in more money. Mm-hmm. And and that's not what he says. I want to read Acts 17 and share a note that a friend sent me. Uh, Eternal Perspectives uh, is a uh, ministry. He says, Randy Alcorn, some people may have heard of him before. He's got a couple of good books, one on heaven one on how to manage your money or our perspective about money in the kingdom. But 
Uh, he has a, a, a really, his website has got some, epm.org has some good resources out there. But, you know, he shared uh, this past week about, from Acts 17, which says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. So he's he's the master of it all. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And this is the key. And he determined the times set for them and the exact place where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and reach out for him and find him. That's right out of Acts chapter 17. He's he's set a perfect place for us and a time for us to live. And, And why is that important? It's not just important when it comes to thinking about inequity. But I think right now there's a lot of people out there and it's easy to fall into this trap of being worried about your children, worried about their world, worried about their grand, you know, their children and your great grandchildren or whatever. And um, a guy that uh, is a youth pastor in uh, I think Arkansas. Uh, yeah. Uh, a guy who's a youth pastor in Arkansas wrote this. And Randy published it on his website. I thought it was really encouraging for us to hear as believers. So I want to I want to throw it out there, and you can respond to it if somebody wants to call. They can. But uh, he says, "Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids. Just raise them to walk in faith." He says, "Don't feel sorry for them or fear for them because their world is going to be different than your world." God created them and called them for the exact moment that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them to know the power they walk in as children of God, which is what Paul talked about. Our fam- We are part of the household of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God's in control. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God's in control of everything, that he can intervene in any moment, any situation? I think we talk about that a lot, but do we really live it out? Is that really part of our belief? He says, empower them to know that they can change the world. Um, We just celebrated my uh, daughter's 18th birthday. She's leaving on Wednesday going to... uh, a gap year program at, at K, uh, the K Institute, K, Kennecuck, uh, called Link Year. And on the card, I, I love my, what my wife wrote. She wrote on there, go change the world. I mean, isn't that what we should be telling our kids? Mm-hmm. Go change the world. Go be a world changer. Go, go take hope to the world. And I'm excited that she's getting a year of Christian worldview before she goes off to a college. Uh, Empower them to know they can do that. He says, don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. They can be a difference maker. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's plan. He knew that Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew that David could handle Goliath, that Esther could handle Haman, that Peter could handle persecution. He knows that our child can handle whatever they face in their life, and he created them for it. So don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose us 
to parent the generation that's facing the biggest challenge of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels, Davids, Esthers, and Peters. God's not scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of the world that they're living in. He's got an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the world. Don't let our fear steal the greatness that God has placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our babies, and we want to protect them, but they were born for such a time as this. Isn't that great? That's just such a great perspective that I think with COVID and with things going on in our world, freedoms being lost left and right, that we can forget that we were made for such a time as this. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, he's on to something there, um, whether it's from the perspective that he was thinking of it or not. But, I, yeah, I agree that the family, that is, uh, has to be the primary focus of any Christian, but particularly Christians in this day and age, and, and to raise your children up um, as arrows to be sent out. Um, A polished arrow, like it says in Isaiah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to do that is of the utmost importance and it's vital and especially you know at, at a time where it, it, things seem bleak right if if every christian everyone who calls themselves christian in this nation becomes serious about their faith and does that and trains up their child uh you'll have an, a generation coming up that is um not like the generations that are here now right but a, a generation that is faithful and that is important and how we go about doing that i think is something that maybe the church hasn't thought about too much as far as okay how are we really going to make this happen because you know what he said it, it sounds good but there has to be an implementation of it there has to be a coming together uh to create a a, a, a culture that uh, is going to be uh, able to produce that and you know it starts in your home but also you know finding people in your churches to gather with and to you know raise and educate your children together with um and just at, just so that your kids have someone to play and to form a community with who are like-minded, uh, that that's going to be important too. And, and so to really start to think about ways to uh, create a generation of, you know, like you said, Daniels and Peters and, 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 and the like, uh, I think is important because it's going to be the family that has to do that. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of heat and a lot of persecution in trying to do it. So got to be prepared for that. Well, I was uh, reading this morning in Jeremiah, and it struck me, it says that the number of people Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the seventh year, 3,000. In the 18th year, he carried away 832. In the 23rd year, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away 745, 4,600 in all to Babylon. 4,600 he carried off. And you know who was in that group? Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. Uh, And you know what's interesting? That if you go over to Matthew 2, hundreds of years later, there were wise men that came from the east. The wise men were the magicians. The wise men were what Daniel and Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah were. And I just have to wonder... If hundreds of years later, those very men who knew about the star and knew about the uh, 
the Messiah coming had been told by Daniel and it had been passed down. And so when they were looking for a king to replace and to, to help them overthrow Rome in, the, Rome in the east, that they came to Jerusalem because Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had passed on the story of Messiah coming one day. Yeah. You know, you know it's interesting you bring the, that up because it, it's when we think about the exile to Babylon, it's important to realize that it, that was distinct to the exile to in Assyria, right? Yeah. What the Assyrians, how they used to, uh, when they would conquer a people, they would take those people and they would split them up all throughout the land so that eventually you would lose your culture and you'd lose your distinctness so that you become one. But the Babylonians were different. They would put people together, right? So when the Jews were uh, exiled to Babylon, they were still able to keep that culture, keep the faith alive, uh, so to speak, and then also be able to affect that area that they were in. So it's important to have that uh that community yes, it's that community yes. is exactly mm-hmm. what it is they they allowed it and they even allowed some to remain in jerusalem mm-hmm. they didn't take everybody back they allowed some to stay there and work the land but the ones they took back which is interesting to me uh daniel hananiah Mishael, and azariah had favor yeah with nebuchadnezzar and uh and again over in matthew 2 when herod was in power Wise men came from the east. Yeah, that, those were the same people that Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael were, were, would have been right. uh, in the lineage of. So, all that to say, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to keep looking at Ephesians all week. I hope you'll join us, and I hope it's encouraging to hear God's word as it relates to how we view our brothers. We view them as one with us. Yep. All right, so that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening 